Okay, as the kids are finishing filing out, I just want to say welcome again if you're visiting with us. I'm Jamie Miller, and I am the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship, and uh, so thankful to get to do what I get to do, uh, just to be uh, in a serving role here with the church that we helped to start some 21 years ago with some great friends, and a lot of those guys are still around or have gone to plant churches in other places, and that's uh, big part of what we do at Christ Fellowship. We believe that God's called us to be a life-giving, multiplying, reproducing, Christ-manifesting church. And uh, we're going to do that starting right here and spreading to the region, this state, the nation, and the nations of the earth. I've never said that before. You can tell, right? <laughs> so, um, something wasn't right. That's it. I didn't have the thing like that to do that. Hey, I want to just echo too, I'm really, I'm so excited that we're getting started over there. You guys know that building is just a process, and it's just, there's, there's one, you take a step here, and then you, you take a step there, and that's part of life, just growing and growing up, and, uh, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, for 16 plus years, we were completely mobile as a church. We set up, we had set up teams, camouflage shirts, you know, we tried to give them identity and stuff, you know, we'd pump them up. Come on, guys, you're doing great. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and Delta, these four teams that help us set up. We call them special forces. And, uh, but by the end, they were like, you know, we'll double our tide. We'll, you know, <laughs> help us out. Can we get a stable place? Man, wow, this is killing us. And uh, so anyway, I'm kidding about some of that, but it's so cool to, to have a footprint in the city, to have a, a headquarters for a church planting movement, to have a home base in a place that we can, uh, you know, not a moving P.O. box, but a, a place that is, is home for us. And we're, we're, we're thankful for that. And I'm thankful to be starting on the venue over there as well. I also want to, I don't see Chad. Is, is Chad in the room right now? Right there. New spot. Wow, and Christy. I'm impressed. Just mixing it up. That's kind of like you. You like doing that. Um, thanks for preaching last week. I was... Uh, Got to listen to that on listen online. Did a great job. Really, I think set up some of the things that I want to talk about today. So that was that was great. And uh, I was in Chiang Rai in northern Thailand. We've got a church plant team there that is uh, working through an education format and platform to plant churches to reach the Thai people. And to really a big deal there in northern Thailand is that the Thai men, the middle class, they work like 14, 16 hours a day. They're just they're not available. And so doing something through the schools, like what we're, we've built a school there that is a full-functioning, full-on waiting list school waiting, wait, for people waiting to get into that deal, and, uh, and using that as a platform for reaching people where they're coming into us to actually disciple them, disciple their kids, plant you know, little house churches uh, along the way. And so that's, well, uh, they're doing great. And I'm just so, so proud of Brent and Julie and David and Sharon over there, we had a, uh, Laura was there on that team as well, um, and it was just the two of us. We travel separately, everybody. It's, uh, it's just the, the way that works. But uh, man, she just did great. Okay, let's uh, look at First Peter chapter three. Excuse me, First Peter chapter one, verse three. And uh, it's good to be good to be home. If I yawn once or twice, it's because I may still be adjusting to the time. Here, I've done it several times already this morning. Let's read down to verse 8. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, so we started this series called Joy Beyond Words on Easter, and we want to unpack this thing. We want to keep unpacking this idea of what's happened here for us that leads to so much joy. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may prove genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. You're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So this living hope that we've been brought into, we've been talking about joy beyond words, this inexpressible and glorious joy. So we still, we're going to talk about this today, we still go through hard times. That's going to happen to all of us. We still go through trials. And if you heard a promise that when you come to Christ, then you don't have to go through any more hard stuff, eh, that's not the way life works. You still go through hard stuff. You go through trials. You go through hard things. You get sad sometimes. But our faith, the passage says, is refined through the whole thing. And we begin through this process, through our faith, to believe in Jesus Christ even when we don't see Him. And it leads to loving Him even when we don't see Him. And it leads to more faith in Him, which leads to praise and glory and honor to Him and us experiencing something that's out of heaven breaking into our lives, a joy that's from another place. N.T. Wright, in his translation, the Kingdom New Testament, calls this this passage, the uh, instead of inexpressible and glorious joy, he calls it glorified joy. So glorified joy is like joy that's breaking in from heaven, and it's like the future is breaking in through me now. Does that make sense? So today, what I want to just go into a bit is I want to, us to acknowledge what we all know as a reality that I don't always function in, uh, I'm not always like, I'm not always just super bouncy and happy, right? But there's a rhythm to life that God wants to, to do something beautiful. He wants to, like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10 says, create a masterpiece in me and in you and in all of us. But we don't have a masterpiece that plays only one note. A masterpiece, a true masterpiece, is not just da na 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 it's, it's got lots of notes, and there's rests, and there's minor chords, and there's all this thing that in the end, it turns into something beautiful and artistic and creative. And so I want to talk about the rhythm of joy, the rhythm, the ebb and flow that we all know about. And, uh, and the way this happens... If you think about rhythm, it's one, two, three, amazing grace. A little fast. Sweet. <laughs> I'm just picking a song. But, but, but rhythm is what happens when notes and contrasting sounds happen together over time. 
And it's the overtime part that really helps us. It really helps us understand this. Anybody ever seen Stomp or heard of this, this uh, theatrical group, Stomp, and they use like brooms? That actually kind of works up here. I get and, uh, but uh, you get a certain perspective about these guys understand rhythm. They understand notes. It's not so much notes, but it's sounds and acoustic kind of percussive sounds. And uh, music would even take that to another, to another level because then you're adding notes and accents and, and uh, rests and all those kinds of things. Britannica, I got this definition out of Encyclopedia Britannica Online. Rhythm in music, the placement of sounds in time. In the most general sense, rhythm, it comes from the Greek word rhythmos, which is a derivative of, of rain, which means to flow. And so in our lives, there's a flow, there's a rhythm to living out life with the Lord. The ordered alternation of contrasting elements. The notion of rhythm is also, Britannica goes on to say, in all the arts. So you've got rhythm in painting, don't you? There's, a, there's an ebb and a flow in painting or in sculpture or in uh, pottery. It's not all the same. You don't just play one note when you're making a... I'm looking at a potter right now for visitors. There's a potter sitting there. His name's Lucas. And uh, it's kind of weird. Was that? He's making a point to that guy. We're not sure why he's doing it. <laughs> so, um, so but, but art is like that. Music is like that. Uh, sound. And, and we experience... Life that way. Life isn't one note. Life is a bunch of contrasting notes that come together. And so I have joy, maybe on the high end, peace here in the middle, because just because I don't have joy doesn't mean I'm depressed. Okay, so there's, there's high notes, and, and more and more if we could just work off our high notes into a place of peace and rest. That would be a, that would be a, a less anxious way of living, wouldn't it? But it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we get sad or we go through really hard things that constrain us and press us and, and make us just cry out to God, right? And so there's this full spectrum of rhythm. And I want us to acknowledge that. But what I also want us to acknowledge this morning is that a lot of times, depending on what our bent is, what our makeup is, what our disposition is, we may not think joy is for us. We may not think joy is a place that I'm even supposed to live, you know, and so we kind of push against happy people, our people that are joy, that's not real. But I want to say to us all, even though there's a full spectrum of we go through hard things and there's ecstatic places of joy, joy's like, you should expect joy like you expect love. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness. So don't, don't push back against joyful people because they're not being real. Don't push any more than you'd push back against a loving person. You're not being real. Stop trying to serve me and care for me. We don't do that. And so here's my, my point is just that this is something God has for us. And even when we're at our low places... God wants us growing in the grace of choosing joy, of pursuing joy, of even, as one popular pastor in the U.S. calls it, fighting for joy. That there's a fight in us that we have to press in to grab and to attain and to get a hold of joy. 
And, uh, you know, so part of this message is, is building on what Chad talked about last week. It's the, it's the identity thing. It's who we are. But it's also not just believing some facts about, hey, I should have a joyful kind of disposition from time to time, but actually experiencing joy in my life, like practicing it, like expecting joy in my life. Does that sound like something anybody in this room needs? I do. I'm preaching to myself. So let's, let's look at this. The main thing that I'm saying is this today. Seeing and loving Jesus, like what we read about there in verse 8, that seeing and loving Jesus that leads to inexpressible and glorious joy. The focus is Jesus. Seeing and loving Him really does mean joy, but it happens in the rhythm of real life. That's the rhythm of joy, is the rhythm of life. It happens in the rhythm of real life. So let's talk, first of all, about some contrasts. Some contrasts. We're going to see this thing. Our lives are shaped, they really are, by the contrasts that life brings our way. So I'm going to just kind of walk through a few scriptures here this morning. The first one would be from just, I could go to lots of places in the Psalms, but Psalm 42, Psalm 43, this phrase is repeated over and over again. Why are you downcast, O my soul? So it's like the psalmist is talking to himself. You ever done this? Why are you downcast, O my soul? I've done that, and I don't always remember to do the next part. Put your hope in God. I will trust in the Lord, you know, who gives me strength and changes the way I feel. There's a rhythm to that. I may get down. I may face grief. I may go through sadness. I may even be depressed. But my destiny is not to walk there and stay there. I mean, and so I'm saying that with encouragement in mind, not, not beating anybody up. It's just like, uh, you know, our destiny isn't to stay whooped. You were whooped last year. I know, I'm, I'm still whooped. You were whooped five years ago. I know, I'm still whooped. You know, and there's a, there's, a, there's a place where God wants to lift us up where we find the joy that just like we find the love and like we find the peace. He wants us to find that joy in Him as well. Psalm 126, here's another tension place. May those, Psalm 126, 5 and 6, may those who sow in tear reap with shouts of joy. Okay. Um, anybody ever been up in the middle of the night on your knees and tears running down your face? It's all, I feel awkward. Um, <laughs> um, there's a promise there that a harvest comes from those tears of joy. You know, it's that whole tension thing of you, you've turned my mourning into dancing, you, the sackcloth and give me garments of praise. That, that's the tension, the contrast. Those who go out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. We were carrying sheaves yesterday. Okay, here we go. This is a parenthesis. won't take a second. I was jet-lagging yesterday, so tired, and I'd been reading, and I felt like I was getting some stuff done, and Kim's like, hey, you're, you look tired. Let's go do something. And I was like, okay, what can we do? It's getting kind of hot outside. You know, what can we do? And she said, I don't know, let's go do something. We walked out into the front yard. I thought we were heading out someplace. And she goes, oh, there's that tree. It needs to be trimmed. <laughs> For the next two hours, it was, it was amazing. I was just there being peaceful, enjoying the book. Yeah, let's go do something. 
<laughs> you know what? Just for the record, I would rather be, you know, I would rather have her as my foreman any day of the week than traveling the world, you know, whatever. I'd, just, I'd rather be home, so that's awesome. Uh, she's a great foreman, too. Kind of cute. I may hear about this. But let's move the, move the clock forward. Jesus. Jesus comes to His disciples. This is John chapter 16, verse 20 and 21. Here's the contrast again between joy and the hard stuff we go through. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn when the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Like a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that the child is born into the world. Okay? So what Jesus is saying to us here is we go through hard times. He modeled this for us. He went to the cross, but there was joy set before Him. He wasn't just doing this pain only. It was pain and suffering, but there was joy set out there. And it's like joy is probably one of the greatest motivators for us, finding joy in, as a hope in the midst of trial in the circumstances we go through in life. Paul, let's move the clock forward again. Paul comes on the scene, 2 Corinthians. Here's a great one, and I don't know if I gave this one to the guys, but 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's a great contrast. Paul says, it's talking about his hardships, and this is six verse, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4, uh, 5, Great endurance and trouble, hardship, distresses, beatings, imprisonments, riots, hard work, sleepless nights, hunger, purity, understanding, patience, all these different things going on um, through dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine, regarded as imposters, known but unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten but not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. And then down to chapter 7, verse 4, he says, I have confidence in you and I take pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. Isn't that amazing? Beaten, riots, you know, the, the heresy seekers are waiting for him when he gets to the next town. They beat him to the next place he's going to. They're waiting to find him. You know, and he says, my joy knows no bounds. You know, sometimes my tanks get tired. I don't know about you guys. Sometimes my tanks get tired, and I get uh, pretty quickly irritable. And I start to feel, if, it, if it's hard, if things are really, it's a struggle, you know, and it's, it's hard to find, you know, that grace in the Lord. And it's like, I have to find Jesus morning by morning when I get in that place, or I'm, I'm toast by, by 10, and can be apologizing throughout the day. That's, what's, that's my lot in life, you know, as the people I walk with. If I'm not finding the Lord, you know, when my tanks start getting low. James, what the, we just went through the book of James. James chapter 1, verse 2. A lot of you guys know this verse because it's so bothersome, right? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many different kinds, right? Consider it joy, you know, because God is doing something. He's 
always bringing the perfect gifts from heaven, but He's doing something in our lives that brings about a greater capacity to be conformed to the image of Christ and to see the Lord. Even this passage that we're looking at in Peter, where it says, inexpressible and glorious joy, that's a great promise. But has anybody looked at the rest of 1 Peter by chance? I mean, the, there's a big chunk of this letter is about suffering and going through hard times. And he's saying, in the midst of all this stuff that you're going through, these hard times, you're suffering grief in different ways, different things coming against you guys, you know, you're being persecuted, suffering for doing good, suffering for being a Christian at the end there in chapter 4, you know, all those things. He's saying, there is a place and there is a way, there is a path, there is a trajectory of joy because of Jesus Christ and His life in us. That's what's going on there. So it's, it's joy beyond words is what is being promised. We go through hard things, that's promised. But there is a rhythm in the midst of all of this that between joy and peace and suffering and hard times, we don't stay living here. We get in this place from time to time. We all do. That's life. That's part of the rhythm of life and the rhythm of joy. But our eyes are looking at Jesus Christ who is pulling us pulling us literally out of our situation and into a whole different frame of mind, into a whole different kind of outlook on the circumstances that we're going through. It doesn't mean faking it. I'm not saying faking it and doing the plastic porcelain, you know, kind of smile that's not, that's not real. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, there's a way of looking to Jesus in the midst of hard things. Was Paul faking it when he said all that stuff? In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. I don't think so. I think he's real. I think he's being gut-level honest about all of this. But it doesn't, it, just, it doesn't mean turning away. From, it means finding the Lord in the midst of it. And that's, that's how we navigate the contrast, which is the second point that I want to make. Our lives were shaped by these contrasts, and they're shaped by the reality of the resurrection life. That's what Peter's saying. You've been given a reality of this resurrection life, and it changes everything when you start seeing it, when you start living in it. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because He's been raised, we've been raised with Him. And so that's our living hope for us. It's who we are. That's why what Chad said last week is so important that we keep laying and doing all the building that we're doing in life on the foundation of who we are in Christ. And I just, I, I'm, I just want to be relentless about this, you guys. I want to be relentless. Don't let the fall dominate your perspective about how life really works. God had a plan before man was ever created, and it was for us to be adopted right into the family of God. That He, before creation, predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters in the family of God. And so, the creation happens, man is created, the fall happens, but it's not, oh no, plan B, what do we do now? You know, God knew that this would happen. God knew, that the Son knew, and He still said yes, even before the creation of the world, to adopt us into the... It's our identity, and it gives us joy to... We're living to express something that's... Mm, it's like I've been taken into that and now I'm living to express that. 
I'm living to express a kind of life, the kingdom, the way heaven is now. So I want to love like love is in heaven. I want to have peace like peace is in heaven. I want my art to be like the way it is in heaven. I want my joy to be like joy is in heaven. You know, and so all of us, we say, well, I want to see healing. Amen. That's that we live in the now of the kingdom and the not yet. We live, there's, a, there's tension there because I'm not always joyful and I don't always see healing. And yet, that kingdom has in fact come. And we live in this in-between time where there's tension. Do you guys understand that? So that's absolutely why we should expect joy. I don't always walk in it. I get down sometimes. I get sad. But I'm not staying there forever. I'm not, you know, five years from now, eh, it's just that's where I was five years ago. I'm not going to be there because heaven is breaking into my life. That, that's the theology of why we believe for joy, is that the kingdom's breaking into our lives. His love, His joy, His peace, patience, kindness. It's a glorified joy. It's a joy from heaven that's breaking in. It's a joy that expresses something that is yet to come that hasn't broken into this world just yet. And one of the, the correctives for us is that if we're bent uh, not toward joy, naturally, maybe we're, we're bent toward having a negative outlook on life. I don't know who that is. I'm just talking. Um, but but if, if that's our bent, then what we need to do is we need to say, it's just it, repentance is just turning. It's just turning to Jesus. So I, I repent from just seeing everything in this frumpy, negative, complaining, cynical, uh, unbelieving kind of perspective, and I look to Jesus and say, Jesus, what are you seeing right now? And just as I start to look to him, I'm literally lifted and pulled into a, a different kind of place, a different kind of state of mind and the way I'm looking at things. You know, George Mueller, one of our heroes in, in the Miller house. Um, maybe we came from it. Mueller, Miller, I don't know. But uh, one of our heroes is that um, he'd say, you know, my first goal in the morning, morning by morning by morning, is to make my soul happy in God. He was looking to God for the joy that only God could give in the midst of hard stuff, in the midst of, and I mean, the guy went through all kinds of trials and, and things as he led all these orphans. He had a bunch of orphan homes. And so, powerful testimony. Um, I, was asking, uh, I was asking my daughter yesterday, just saying, hey, you know, what do you do? Because Emily is uh, one of the more joyful people that I've known you know, in my life. She just happens to be my daughter. And, uh, and, you know, she gets to work at Southwest Christian where she graduated from high school. And it's just, it's cool hearing some of the stories coming out of there. But I said, you know, so what do you do? She said, well, it's, it's not, it's nothing surprising to you. I think one thing for me is I, I want to get up and spend time with Jesus the first thing in the morning. And then I want to expect to have joy in my life during the day, you know? And so that expectation, there's like faith connected to looking to Jesus for an expectation being created in our lives. It's choosing 
joy um, like I would choose love. Now, I think that may help some of us. You know, like, I just don't know about choosing joy. It just seems like I'm trying to put on a happy face or something. And I'm saying choose joy like you would choose love. Choose joy like you would choose patience or gentleness. Who's going to go, ah, I just want to break in there and just, ah, just be rough with people? No, we would choose gentleness. We would choose joy for the same reason, right? Choose joy. So God is honored in our lives when we do that. You know, there's, I mean, I'm, there's other parts about her life that make her a, a li- ha- have a life that points to Jesus. But the joy is one piece. And what is it going to be in Sheila's life, or in Kevin's life, or in Andy's life, in Doug's life? And what, what's, what, what points to Jesus in our lives? That's what we want to see happen. So let's talk about the so what here for just a second. The so what is, what does this mean, you know, for my life? Because... You know, we all have these circumstances that we're going in, going through. Could be at the emergency room, could be dealing with, you know, speech, you know, situations with people. I'm just with at the at the school that Kenny teaches at. You know, working as an accountant and CFO and all these different things around the room that people do. You know, we have opportunities because of the circumstances that we go through to walk in joy and to find those notes being played when, you know, when maybe what the notes we've been playing are like, just, yuck, and, or, or they're just minor, 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 it just, it just, and it's, just, that's our, by the way, you know, back around about 10 years ago, the church, it was in a, we were, the whole church, I mean like the church in America went through this minor chord uh, worship renewal. And all the songs were, mi- and I was, you know, we finally said to each other, golly, you know, we want to dance some before, while our Achilles still work and our calves. I want to sing some happy songs. Again, even that, even in the culture of what we sing, there, there needs to be different notes being played in our songs. It's not just one one thing. And so what does it mean for my life is that I am looking through my circumstances to see Jesus. Faith starts happening. My faith is strengthened through those circumstances. It begins to result in glory, honor, and praise as I trust Him. And what starts breaking into my life, what's really fueling a lot of that glory, honor, and praise is that I'm finding joy in Him in the midst of the hard thing that's happening. Okay, that's just practice. The result is rhythm. The result is I'm not just playing one note. And I, you guys, I'm just saying, I can get down with anybody. You know, and I don't know about if it's like this at your house. If she gets down and I'm kind of down and we're like, oh, you're right. It's really bad. You know, and we just, you know, and then somebody finally starts fighting a little bit and fighting for joy and starts encouraging and she's like, that's enough of that. You stop, you stop thinking like that. That's bad thinking, you know. I need it. Anybody else? The result is rhythm. Different notes being played. We start to come together um, with others. Okay, so here's what happens. We're going to talk about this next week. If I start figuring out how to play these notes in my life where it, it moves out of the minor sad 
part of the song and then gets into the, the happy song, the happy part of the song, you know, and then I start getting with other people that have figured out how to do that as well. It's going to encourage the ones who aren't happy or aren't finding their joy in God and it's going to just, it just starts to bubble and, and, and stuff starts to happen. We're going to talk about that next week. When we go through these times of sadness, Jesus leaves us with a great promise. And this is the promise. So after that whole childbirth thing and the pain, the woman goes through the pain because of the joy before, he says in verse 22, So it is with you. Now's your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So that is a promise for the end for us, but it's a promise all along the way that when you see joy, when you see Jesus, you really do start to see joy in a bit of a different way. It's like light. When I'm here, and a lot of times when I'm in the sad place, it's because I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and I'm just looking at my circumstance and I, don't, I can't see a way through this thing or it's my finances or it's what's going on at work or it's this relational thing that's a mess or, or, or my parents are coming on a couple days notice and going to stay with us for a week. tomorrow <laughs> and I look to Jesus and I see it in a totally different place you know something that creates my, uh, my heart beating faster blood pressure just going oh I can't see a way through this thing and when I look to Jesus everything starts to change so not a surprise there I'm calling us to look to the Lord but it's the circumstance stuff that we go through that I don't know all the details, but I know you probably don't have to go more than a few days back to figure out how looking to Jesus is going to help you find joy in the midst of trial, because that's what we go through. So let's stand up, and I want us to just respond to the Lord. Let's take a little bit of time. We've got some time here. Let's take five or ten minutes. Worship team, ministry team, come on up. And I want to just encourage us just for a minute. And just be thinking, am I... Am I going through something where somebody praying for me would really encourage me to see Jesus better? Am I struggling to find His joy in the midst of this? Could somebody praying for me help? You know, so it, it, a lot of times, you know, I'll be in the middle of it. Sometimes I'm even coming in on Sundays and I'll go and get prayer from, you know, some guys that are praying over there in the prayer room before the service. It's like my whole perspective changes. And I want to just encourage you, if you're under it today and you need to get prayer, don't, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. The front's going to fill up, but, but somebody's there close by. Maybe a friend that could pray for you. But, but whatever your need is, don't leave here without getting help. If you need somebody to pray for you, get some prayer. It's amazing what the power of God does in just meeting us in the midst of our need as we lay hand on a shoulder and just pray for somebody in the power and in the name of Jesus. So, Lord, come today. Meet us, Lord, in all the circumstances that are represented. I know there's, there's hard things that people are walking through right now. And I'm asking, Lord, for just anyone who needs that word, that seeking your joy is like seeking to walk in your love. Seeking your joy is like seeking to walk in your peace. So, Lord, bring that light to us. 
Lord, and maybe it's been chronic or maybe it's been long term. And a decision needs to be made today to repent, to turn, just turn to look to Jesus, the one who brings this fullness into our hearts, who fills us with love for him, the one who gives this glorified joy from heaven and starts to break into our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey guys, come. Whatever your need is, we're going to sing together, receive ministry. Amen.